well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. So glad you're with us here on this uh, Tuesday, November 22nd edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Getting ready for the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Miss E went to the store last night, so the turkey is acquired I can already taste the uh, stuffing. Oh, I am excited about it. But uh, you know what? We've got a a busy show ahead. We're going to be talking about the odd focus on red flag laws uh, in the wake of the attack on the uh, Q nightclub in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I say odd because it seems like that's what the media wants to focus on. The fact that uh, Colorado's red flag law was never uh, used against this individual, as opposed to, I don't know, investigating why the felony charges that he originally faced in connection with a bomb threat at his house last year were apparently dropped. Yeah, then we really want to talk about that. And we saw something similar in Virginia recently as well with the UVA shootings. We're going to talk about that in uh, just a moment. Before we do, however, there is a new pro-Second Amendment and veteran-owned coffee company that I cannot wait to tell you more about. Freedom One Coffee has amazing coffee options, like their bourbon barrel-aged coffee, which is not something that you find at your local supermarket, and their military-themed bags, their freshly roasted coffees, are guaranteed to have you conquer the day like the B-17 conquered the Nazi skies during World War II. I would say uh, Freedom One Coffee tastes a lot better than what my dad was drinking as a tin-can sailor out in the Pacific Theater during World War II as well. And right now, Freedom One Coffee, by the way, this is the word freedom and the number one, Freedom One Coffee, has a Black Friday sale from now until the end of the month with up to 75% off of all of their products. And for every bag of coffee that you purchase, you have a chance at winning their golden ticket, which will give you free coffee for a year. I know. So, Head over to freedomonecoffee.com. That's freedom and then the number one coffee.com for your chance at a golden ticket and some fantastic Black Friday savings right now. Freedomonecoffee.com. All right, so let's talk about red flag laws here. And you're just a couple of headlines as an example. Red flag gun laws in focus after attack at Colorado LGBTQ nightclub. This from the uh, Daily Beast. This sheriff was all about the Second Amendment before the Club Q attack. Yeah, talking about the uh, sheriff in El Paso County. And again, trying to um, smear the sheriff, frankly, for not invoking the state's red flag law. And the ire seems to be directed... Entirely at the sheriff, by the way. Uh, nothing about the suspect's family, who also could have invoked Colorado's red flag law. No, it really does seem to be that uh, they are just interested in tarring and feathering the sheriff for supposedly uh, not doing enough uh, to prevent this attack, uh, as the uh, Daily Beast reports. Um a serious question arose, and I'm not going to show this because I inadvertently uh, took a screenshot with the uh, suspect's name, and I don't want to give him any attention, quite frankly. Uh, a question rose, they said. Uh, around midnight this past Saturday, someone with a long rifle and a handgun strode into Club Q and murdered five innocents. The police identified the killer as a 22-year-old, and a quick check online produced a sheriff's office news release about an incident involving someone with the same name, date of birth, and physical dimensions last year. The case proved to have subsequently been sealed, which in Colorado legally restricts officials from saying anything but, quote, uh, quote no such record exists. But a question now arose. Could the sheriff 
uh, have nevertheless applied the red flag law and kept the suspect from possessing firearms. The sheriff, they say, suddenly had nothing to say about the provision that he had found so objectionable telling the Daily Beast, I'm not talking about it. Now, again, the Daily Beast doesn't seem all that interested in the felony charges that the suspect faced. Right. Choosing instead to focus on a sheriff who uh, said at the time of Colorado's uh, passage of its red flag law that he would not invoke that law unless there were exigent circumstances or unless a family member had requested it. Because he had concerns about the due process provisions and about the constitutionality of these red flag laws. Apparently, you're not allowed to question the effectiveness or the legality of these red flag laws. Right. If you do that, all of a sudden, according to the media, uh, you're an extremist, right? This is what the Daily Beast has to say about those criminal charges that the suspect faced. They said that uh, for reasons authorities have not explained, those charges were dropped and there were no felony arrests on his record that would have prevented him from passing a background check to buy firearms. But they say the sheriff's office could still have sought an extreme risk protection order as provided by the red flag law. Uh, they go on to say in a process open to law enforcement, family, or even concerned members of the public, the sheriff could have submitted an affidavit to a local judge attesting that the suspect constituted a danger to himself or others. The owner of the house where the suspect's mother rented a room gave authorities the Facebook live video from the standoff, and it would have bolstered a contention that the suspect was not somebody who should be anywhere near a gun. Also would have bolstered the criminal charges that the suspect was originally facing. Uh, now, at a news conference on Monday, Colorado Springs Mayor John Souther said, hopefully there'll be a time where there can be a specific discussion about any prior interaction with law enforcement. And I think those circumstances would cause one to be able to um, make commentary about potential application of the red flag laws. But I think it's premature to do so now, which prompted a reporter to suggest that making a bomb threat and getting into a standoff with police might be indicative of a dangerous individual. The mayor said, quote, you're assuming that there's credible evidence of all that as opposed to someone reporting it and that the prosecutor had evidence of that. And I would not make assumptions of that nature. Well, again, there does appear to be some video. And I think there are, uh, again, a lot of outstanding questions about why those charges were dropped. Again, something we saw in the recent shooting on the campus of the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, not far from where I live. In that case, the suspect had lawfully purchased a firearm. After previously having been denied twice, once because he was underage and once because at the time he was under a felony indictment, that felony charge was later reduced to a misdemeanor and he was sentenced to time served. Now, this individual, oh, I've seen a lot of reporting in uh, Virginia as well. Well, why wasn't the red flag law invoked? Well, there doesn't appear at this point to have been any uh, uh, specific knowledge that this uh, individual posed a threat to himself or others. He also wasn't taken in for a mental health evaluation, something which, again, also apparently never happened in Colorado. You know, the defenders of red flag laws like to make it seem like that's the only option available to police. It's not. In every state of the union, there is a civil commitment law already in place. And so anybody can be taken in, for a uh, mental health evaluation, 72-hour temporary mental health hold, while mental health professionals evaluate whether that individual is a danger to themselves or others. Red flag laws typically don't have that provision. Instead, prosecutors go to a judge, and the judge, without ever having spoken to the individual in question, determines whether or not there is a likelihood 
that that individual poses a danger to themselves or others. And if that threshold is met, pretty low legal bar, by the way, uh, then the petition is granted on an ex parte basis. A couple of weeks later, the subject of the petition gets their day in court. If they cannot afford an attorney, they have to represent themselves because this is a civil matter. And so public defenders um, are, are not a part of this system, right? The deck is stacked against uh, the subject of a red flag petition from the get-go. But the reason why, I think one of the reasons why lawmakers, I know why anti-gun advocates are so hot about red flag laws, but I think one of the reasons why lawmakers look to this and say, oh, well, that's a uh, sensible solution, is because it allows them to say they're doing something while avoiding the real problem that we have with our mental health system. In the state of Virginia, for example, we are routinely out of space for those in critical need of inpatient therapy. You've got deputies who are waiting, in some cases, a day or more at local hospitals uh, in order for the person that's in their care to be seen by a doctor. In other cases, you've got individuals who are being held in jail cells while they await space to be transported to a mental health facility. And again, this is not a problem that is limited to Virginia. This is a problem that is endemic all across the country. And red flag laws are a Band-Aid solution. Well, we don't have to fix the mental health system because we'll just put a law in the books that says you can take their guns away, not require any sort of mental health treatment, not require any sort of mental health evaluation. And we get to say we've done something. We haven't done anything that works, unfortunately. Uh, what you've done is offer a soundbite solution to a very serious problem, one that actually needs addressing in two specific areas. One, we need to improve the criminal justice system. 97% of cases end up in plea bargains. That's absurd. It's ridiculous. And it leads to situations exactly like what we saw in Charlottesville and in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And yeah, we need to work on the mental health system right now because it is crumbling at a time in which more Americans say they are experiencing depression, more Americans say they have had uh, suicidal ideation, the access to both, uh, let's say, the, the sort of you know, wellness treatment, right, the, the standard therapy options versus the acute care, somebody who uh, you know, has, has really crossed that line and now poses a threat to themselves or others, we're failing in both regards, quite frankly. And every gun control proposal that is aimed at restricting the rights of peaceable gun owners and turning the exercise of a fundamental civil right into a criminal offense takes us further away from the real solutions, difficult as they might be, that are needed to truly make this country a safer place while respecting the rights of its residents. All right, let's turn our attention now to uh, today's recidivist report, as well as our armed citizen story and our uh, hero of the day. Again, you know, we talk about the criminal justice system every day here on Cam and Company. This isn't something new. This isn't some distraction. This isn't some dodge. I know that gun control activists are going to say, well, you don't want to talk about red flag laws. You want to talk about the criminal justice system. I talk about this every day. 
because this is a problem that we have identified. And I have no trouble whatsoever finding stories every day of criminals who got a lucky break or a slap on the wrist, who received little to no consequence for their criminal actions. Case in point, you might remember this uh, story. It made headlines for a couple of days. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, there was a shooting at a funeral. And uh, just a couple of days ago, we learned that the uh, probation office there in Pittsburgh ignored an alert from the ankle monitor that the uh, suspect in this funeral shooting was supposed to be wearing. The alert went off saying that uh, he was not wearing the bracelet, and the probation department did nothing. Nothing. And in a court hearing, we got to learn a lot about how well, or, or, or not, the current system is working. Probation Supervisor Jason Bright said, we get a lot of alerts. They're not all legit. If you get an alert, it's not immediately checked on. So first of all, the idea that, uh, well, you probably should be behind bars because you committed a, uh, you know, a violent offense and we're concerned that you might be a threat to the community. But we're going to keep an eye on you because we're going to make you wear this ankle monitor. And we'll know, buddy, if you leave your house, it's a lie. It's a lie. Nothing happens. Somebody, an alert goes off, and it's not enough to trigger a response from the probation department because they get a lot of alerts. In the case of uh, Sean Davis, who is uh, now accused of shooting five people at a funeral back on October 28th, the alert was never checked at all until after he was charged with those five counts of attempted murder. Uh, Deputy District Attorney Stephanie Romilly uh, was opposing bail last Friday uh, during an unrelated uh, homicide case. Um, and she was trying to show Allegheny County Common Pleas Judge uh, Beth Lazara that electronic home monitoring is unreliable in keeping the community safe. She said it is not appropriate, quote, particularly in extremely dangerous, violent individuals who will not protect public safety in Allegheny County the way that it is being run. Uh, Bright uh, testified that there is one person currently tasked with monitoring all of the electronic home monitoring alerts on an overnight basis. There are two individuals who are tasked with monitoring those alerts during other shifts. Uh, he says that the person monitoring the alerts will sometimes call these subjects to see if it's a false alert, but often they just make a note of the alert and report it to the subject's probation officer via a phone call or an email. He said uh, they never call the police themselves. There's always an intermediate step alerting a supervisor. Uh, in Davis's case, he was placed on electronic home monitoring back in April after pleading guilty to attempted aggravated assault for an attempted shooting at an electronic store in downtown Pittsburgh. The judge sentenced Davis to 10 to 23 months in prison and immediately suspended that sentence and placed him on electronic home monitoring instead. So that was April 28th. June 13th, uh, probation department issued a request for a warrant for Sean Davis after electronic home monitoring showed four separate alerts of unauthorized leave or entry between June 9th through the 13th. Uh, Davis told his probation officer he had gone to see his girlfriend. Probation officer said, you're not allowed to do that. He left home again on June 15th, two days later. At that point, uh, you would think that probation would be revoked. Nope. Instead, on June 24th, there was a court hearing, and it was determined that uh, he would just get new equipment instead. 
Can't make this up. Um, September 25th, he's back in jail. He is talking to an inmate. Uh, or excuse me, he's out, I suppose, at that point. He's talking to an inmate in the Allegheny County Jail, September 25th. And he showed the inmate how he could take his bracelet on and off. He just showed him right there in video. He said, uh, I tried to show my dad, bro, and I took it off and I put it back on and then I just wear it. Uh, I took it off and I put it back on. My PO caught me like, what are you doing? He said, uh, yeah, equipment's messing up. I'm about to slide it on. He slid it on, put a new anklet on, and he left. He said, this one's a little shorter. So it's a little harder to put it back on, but he still did it. Yeah. October 26th, probation office receives another alert about Sean Davis, a, a no motion alert. Uh, Judge Lazara said it was pretty much ignored. Probation supervisor said, yeah. He said they get inundated with hundreds of these emails. You get hundreds of false alerts and one slips through. Well, if the system is generating hundreds of false reports, then it sounds to me like the system screwed up. It sounds to me like the system shouldn't be in place because it does sound like the system is unable to ensure the safety of Allegheny County residents because nothing happens when someone takes that ankle monitor off because the system is so flawed that uh, the probation office just assumes that it was an error and not something that actually is worth checking into. Again, this is the state of the criminal justice system, an over-reliance on plea bargains, an over-reliance on things like ankle monitors that don't work. And yet, again, what's the conversation that the media wants to have? Why are we invoking red flag laws more often? That's not the issue. The issue here is what's happening to those individuals we know are dangerous. And the bottom line is, in far too many cases, the answer is nothing at all. Today's armed citizen story from the uh, state of Michigan. Uh, East Point, Michigan, where, by the way, Democratic lawmakers now have a, a legislative trifecta. They have the governor's office. They have both chambers of the uh, uh, state house, and they are already talking about putting in place a storage mandate for gun owners so that if a juvenile in your home accessed a firearm, that would be a crime. And I understand the intent behind the legislation. You want to keep kids from unauthorized access, right? You want to keep kids from accidentally shooting themselves or, or somebody else. The problem, as we've talked about at uh, Bearing Arms uh, a couple of times in the past, is that while it is, I won't say common, it is not unheard of for juveniles to access a firearm in the home for the purpose of either self-defense or defense of another. In fact, we had a uh, armed citizen story just a couple of days ago in which a, a teenage boy was forced to shoot and kill his mom's, uh, shoot and wound, actually. He did not die, but to shoot and wound uh, his mom's abusive ex who had broken into their home. We have a similar story today out of East Point, Michigan, where a 15-year-old uh, is accused of a shooting his mother's boyfriend. 
Now, the headline says self-defense suspected. It looks like um, that's the clear indication at this point. It was just before 10 p.m. last Wednesday. Boy's mom had called 911, said her boyfriend had jumped on her at her home. When police arrived, uh, they found a deceased male in the area, identified as uh, Roderick Neely. Fox 2 in Detroit says police are still investigating the circumstances of the shooting, but they believe that the teen used a gun registered to his mom to shoot Neely, and they suspect that self-defense was involved, uh, saying, quote, we do believe some evidence of uh, some element of self-defense uh, was present there in those circumstances. Both the uh, boy and his mom were taken into custody. Mom was released without charges. Her son was released after a hearing on Friday, pending further investigation. According to authorities, Wednesday was not the first time that they had been called out to the house. Uh, one uh, police spokesman, uh, Brian Showers, detective with the East Point Police Department, said that officers have been uh, dispatched to the home on multiple times. Five criminal investigation reports on file for domestic assault, harassment, and family troubles, all of them involving the man who was shot. Uh, now, the mother of uh, uh, two of Neely's uh, 10 children it says that he was invited over by the woman, uh, saying, quote, she invited him here from my own personal experience. If you're scared, you don't invite it to you. You just rob people of those chances. He had 10 kids in the world that will never see them again. Well, again, the investigation continues. Right now, it looks like self-defense. And I would note that, um, you know, you can invite somebody to your house without expecting that they're going to assault you. Right? And unfortunately... In relationships where there is a cycle of abuse, oftentimes neither individual in that relationship are making the best choices. It's not a crime, however, to invite somebody to your home, even if you shouldn't, right? Even if you know they've been physical with you in the past, that's not a crime. Nor is it a crime if they get physical with you again and you or a loved one acts to protect your life. And it looks like that was the case in East Point, Michigan. We'll keep our eyes on any more details uh, as they become available. Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. A, a police officer, uh, also a story from Michigan, Salt St. Marie, Michigan, where a, a police officer who came across a, a puppy that had been thrown over a bridge has now adopted that puppy. And the uh, suspect, by the way, is uh, facing charges. Uh, this was last week, and an officer, um, officers, I guess, discovered the uh, dog on the bank of the Cloverfield or Cloverland Power Canal. Temperatures in the mid twenties at the time. Uh, one of the officers climbed down, scooped up the puppy before passing over the top of the fence to another officer. Dog was uh, taken to a local animal shelter to be evaluated, uh, and is now in the care of the officer who adopted her. The adult suspect in this case has been charged with third-degree animal torture. That is a felony that carries a maximum sentence of four years in prison. Another suspect, uh, described as a juvenile, uh, is also facing charges. The suspects were caught after surveillance footage showed the uh, pair walking near a bridge around uh, 645 the evening of November 16th with the puppy. One of these suspects can be seen picking up the dog and then placing the dog over the side of the bridge before walking away from the area. Don't know all of the circumstances there, but listen, as somebody who just took in a dog, a little puppy, because its owner realized way too much work, can't do it, can't take care of it, you'd have to abandon the dog. Take the dog to a shelter, 
reach out to friends, do something. But uh, you don't leave that dog alone. And I'm glad the officer in the right place at the right time will able to do the right thing. Now has a, a new furry canine companion. Speaking, by the way, of a Bentley, the Wonder Pup, uh, I do have a couple of uh, updated pictures. I don't have a picture of the dog that was rescued, unfortunately. So this is the next best thing. Our rescue dog. There is uh, Bentley snuggling up to Miss E the other day. And uh, Bentley loves his big sister, Zelda. Zelda, on the other hand, actually Zelda loves Bentley too. You just can't tell from that particular picture. But uh, yeah, they are getting along well. My my hardwood floor is going to be destroyed, but uh, they're getting along well. All right. That is, unfortunately, all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. We will be back tomorrow with a, another pre-Thanksgiving edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company, keeping you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. If you like what you see, I would also encourage you to head over to BearingArms.com. Throughout the day, we're constantly updating the website with the latest 2A news that you need to know about. And... I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member or a VIP gold member. All you have to do, go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS for a significant savings on your VIP or VIP gold membership. Not only will you get access to exclusive content, uh, news stories, analysis, stuff you won't find anywhere else, you will get the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing that you are supporting the independent pro-Second Amendment journalism we do at Bearing Arms. We greatly appreciate your support. It means a lot to us. So thank you on this Thanksgiving week. Talk to you again tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.